And it's this idea of prayer. This, what Miss Janine just talked about, is part of it. We are the church of Jesus Christ in this community. But we are not the only church of Jesus Christ in this community. Church of the Nazarene is part of a much bigger church. And some of you have friends and family members who, who go to church down the street. Jesus is meeting with them just as, they're meet, as he's meeting with us right now. God is doing something in our community. But he's calling on us to spread the word. And I think that's pretty awesome. I think that's pretty cool that we get to be a part of what God is already doing. And so, as we've been talking about in staff meetings, and as we've been talking about amongst pastors and things like this in in our own church, the thing that we keep seeing pop up over and over and over again, where God is revealing to us through Scripture, through, like I said, through you and other books and things, is this. We need to be a people who pray. And I believe that if we adopt our street, we do this. I love this coalition thing. I just, think, I just think it's awesome. We need to get behind it. Fill out your name. Adopt your street. Pray for your people. Maybe you're already doing this. I believe that through doing this, we're going to see something happen. We're going to see people who don't know Jesus yet come to know Jesus Christ. It's why I live and breathe. I can get excited about that. But does it work? But does it work? Well, I'll tell you this. In 1999, on December 31st, in down... That's okay, the wind can blow. In downtown Whitefish, Montana, where there are five bars in a one or two block radius, people started to fill the streets. It happens almost every holiday. Whitefish is a party town. I grew up there. I've seen it. The streets started to fill. And my friend, who was a law enforcement officer for Whitefish Police Department at the time, said you could, ten- you could just sense the tension. You could cut it with a knife. All of a sudden, these people are in the streets. It's cold outside, but they don't know because they're inebriated. All of a sudden, the tension starts to rise. And before they know it, they've got a problem on their hands. People start to riot. Whitefish Police Department, whom mostly are friends of mine, a lot of, lot of friends there. They did what they were called to do. They did what we paid them to do. And they tried to bring control to a situation that they could not control on their own. And so, neighboring agencies, the Sheriff's Department, the Border Patrol, the Highway Patrol were called in. And do you know what? On December 31st, 1999, New Year's Eve, as they celebrated the new century. There were more arrests in Whitefish, Montana, a little podunk, Whitefish, Montana, than there were in Times Square in New York City. Can you believe it? Well, the brass of Whitefish Police Department knew there was a problem. And it wasn't a problem that could be fixed by hiring more officers or buying tear gas and shields and clubs. So you know what? Something happened. Something miraculous, I believe, happened. They called on some friends that they knew. The Whitefish Ministerial Association. The police chief asked for an audience from the Whitefish Ministerial Association. And so pastors filed in. Kind of exciting to go to the police department when you're invited. And they're sitting there. 
And the chief said this. I wasn't there, but this is what I heard. Would you pray for us? We need some help. Would you pray for our officers and their safety? Would you pray for the citizens of Whitefish that, that you know, tensions would just be brought down, that people wouldn't get silly and stupid when they're drunk and riot and do crazy things? You see, they called on someone that could actually do something. And that would be God. And so I'll tell you this. The pastors got excited. Of course we'll pray. Of course we'll pray. And they went back to their prospective churches and they put out lists. And did you know, for the last 13 years, on every Halloween, every 4th of July, every New Year's Eve, godly men and women, Christians, people who love people, walk the streets of Whitefish, Montana. They go into the bars. They walk past the bars and they just... Pray for peace. And if Associate Chief, Assistant Chief, Mike Furter were here today, bless you, he would say, crime is down, tensions are down, arrests are down, life is good. Does it work, Janine? Absolutely, it does. And then we're called to pray and pray. God is impressing on us to be a people who pray with great tenacity. What if we got serious about this? What if we really got serious? I mean, really, 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 really serious about prayer. What if you started praying for the people around you? You know what? I'm ashamed to say, but I'm going to admit it. I've lived in on 912 Lakeshore Drive for almost three months, and I've talked to my neighbor twice. Shame on me. His neighbor comes and does things in my yard. Surely I should go and visit. Learn to love. Learn to get to, get to know people. Take them some cookies. Right? What if we got excited about prayer? What if we got, what if we got excited about those who are living near us and we asked God to do a work through us? I wonder what that would look like. You know, in the past, I don't know, a couple of years now, I have heard a scripture quoted over and over and over and over again to me. I mean, it's, it's bizarre how much this scripture gets quoted to me. I don't, even, I don't personally have it memorized, but, but I recognize it every time it's quoted. And it's generally almost 100% of the time quoted outside of, outside of context. It's standing alone. Like we use this scripture as this, this little token, hey, encouragement to get out there. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it. In this case, this scripture standing alone, this little verse standing alone doesn't do violence to the text, but I just think sometimes we just take pieces of the scripture and we don't allow the fullness of the scripture to really reign in us or give us a fuller understanding. So here, I want to read to you, I want you to read with me, the scripture that I've heard of a million times, and you've probably heard a million times in the last few days, usually happens, this, I don't know why people quote the scripture to me after a presidential election, but let's go ahead and read it together. If my people, who are called by my name, come on, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, 
Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Praise be to God. It's a good one. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 is what we just read. Do you realize that Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 isn't even a complete sentence? Have you ever noticed that? Andrew, would you go back to that? Have you ever recognized, I mean, we, we all quote this scripture and we all hear the scripture. It usually is standing alone, but it's not even a complete sentence. Notice that. The if isn't capitalized. In fact, if you were to go to your scripture right now and you would look, you'd look at uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 13 and 14 become a complete sentence. And so what I want to do this morning is, is you know me, I can't just give you just a little bit. I've got I to gotta throw a lot at you. And so what I want us to do is I want us to look at a, a, a wider view of this scripture, a wider portion of this scripture in regard to prayer and how God sees prayer. And so if you would, I'd ask you to please turn in your, the Old Testament portion of your Bible to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. If you don't know where 2 Chronicles is, it's right after 1 Chronicles, Abby. Mm-hmm. That joke never gets old, for me anyway. You put your hand in 2 Chronicles chapter 14. Now, 2 Chronicles was written by the priest and scribe Ezra. It was written specifically for people, the Israelites, as they were coming out of Babylonian captivity. The book of Chronicles was actually one book at one time. First and Second Chronicles was one book. And it was written to chronicle the history of Ezra's people. The purpose for this book was to bring unity among the people and help them focus on worshiping the one true God, Yahweh. Please stand as we read God's word this morning. Beginning with verse 11, hear the word of the Lord. When Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace, and had succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and in his own palace, the Lord appeared to him at night and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, If my people who are called by my name and will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Do you see what God is doing? Can you see it? Can you see that God is, is, is all about doing what only he can do here? 
Verse 11 and 12 say this. When Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord in the royal palace and had succeeded in carrying out all that he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and in his own palace. This is a run-on sentence. The Lord appeared to him at night and said, and when the Lord starts to speak, we start to listen. Well, you should have been listening the whole time, but we're going to listen now. I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. You do remember that the temple was not God's idea, right? God made a covenant with man. started with Abraham. God then started to teach Moses about this covenant. He gave him the Ten Commandments. And you remember that in that relationship, God asked Moses to build him a what? Say that again. A tabernacle, not a temple. And God inhabited the tabernacle. And wherever the tabernacle went, God went. You guys remember the story. And then something happened. Throughout what was going on in the lives of the Israelites, they finally took the promised land. It became a geographical location. They started to make permanent their stay. And a king came along with this really, really, really good idea. King David was sitting in his own splendor. You remember the story? His house, made of cedar, splendorous. And he got to thinking, hmm, you know, I have this really nice house and God still lives in a tent. I think I'm going to make God a house. I'm going to make him a temple. It's going to be spectacular. You can read this story in 2 Samuel chapter 7. God comes to David and he goes, I didn't ask you to build me a temple. I told you to build me a tabernacle. I think we're seeing something here in just this little bitty verse that just sends shivers down my being. David is praying and communing with God. And in, I mean, I, I don't think David had a bad heart in this. I think God, or David wanted to do something nice for God. And he says, you know what? We're going to go all out. We're going to do something for God. We're going to do something awesome. We're going to build an awesome temple. It's going to rock. And God's saying, really? I didn't ask you to do that. But then God does something spectacular. He honors the offering. doesn't allow David to build it. In fact, tells David, you're not going to build it. Your son's going to build it. And this is what happens. In verse 11 and 12, God says, I've heard your prayer. Oh, I've been listening. I've been paying attention. And I'm going to bless this that you made for me. Not only am I going to bless it, I'm going to honor I'm going to live here. I'm going to take up residence here. This is it. God didn't want the temple, but God honored what was given. Doesn't that talk about our relationship with God in a deeper level? And some people might be saying, as I probably would if I were you, thanks for the history lesson. What's that got to do with us? Verse 13 says this. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, 
In verse 13, God is speaking to Solomon, and he's already predicting that his children will fail. And this isn't a new conversation. Solomon isn't going, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're even talking about here, God. We've been so faithful all this whole time. He's saying this, look, I already know you guys are going to turn your back on me. And there are consequences when we turn our back on God. And God, it's God speaking. It's not me speaking. I wouldn't want to say this, but he's he's basically saying, um, I'm going to turn off the rain so your crops wither and die and um, the locusts are going to come and devour what's left and um, plagues are going to be sent across the land. But, verse 14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will, it's an if and then, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Here we see God doing something pretty miraculous. Last week I said, I'm always looking for the formula. Okay, God, what's the formula? And a lot of times there's just no formula. Sometimes it just is what it says it is. I mean, Jesus is just God. I mean, he's just doing his thing. Sometimes it's as simple as that. And, and, and I think it's still simple today. But today we see somewhat of a formula. God is saying there's two things. Two things that he wants to see that is going to turn desolation into life. And here it is. First thing is this. And it comes in a long portion, but I think it's still one thing. Humble themselves and pray and seek my face, God says. And I call that prayer. It's the same thing that God's been saying to me for three months. Humble yourselves and pray. 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 Get on your face. Get on your knees and pray. Communicate with me. Be with me. The second is this. And this is the one that we all try to kind of just maybe push away. Or maybe we don't want to think about it. Or maybe, maybe we just are kidding ourselves and we don't need to enact part two of this uh, command. And it's this. Turn from their wicked ways. I call it repentance or repent. In our culture, we think that repent means to ask for forgiveness, but it doesn't mean that. Those are two separate things. To repent means exactly what the Word of God here says it is, to turn from. If you're going to repent of your sin, that means you're going to turn around and you're going to walk away and you're going to distance yourself from it. And God is saying this. I'm going to restore something here. I'm going to bring life here. But it's going to take prayer. Serious on your knees prayer, humbly coming before me and letting us just commune with one another. I want to be with you. I long to be with you. And two, to stop sinning. To stop sinning. That's not a popular message today. We don't call sin good just because we, we like it. God is serious about this, guys. And he's saying to repent. And so after the building of the temple is complete, the, the temple of God is, is, is in its fullness. It's in Jerusalem. God himself blesses it, takes up residence in it. 
and says, if my people would just pray to me and repent from their sin, I'll forgive them. I'll do it. Do you ever think you'd hear a gospel message in the Old Testament? It's all over. And then he says this. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I have chosen and consecrated this temple to my name, sorry, so that my name will be there forever. And my eyes and my heart will always be there. I love God. I love Him. I love that God chooses to pay attention to us. And that He takes up residence in the temple forever and ever. He chooses that. And you might be saying, but Mike, there is no more temple in Jerusalem. It's done. It's been demolished. Solomon's temple has been, demolished. been gone for hundreds of years. And the temple that replaced it has been gone. It's no more. How can God take up residence in the temple when it doesn't exist? But I have good news. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says this, Do you not know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Dot, dot, dot. God doesn't need a temple in Jerusalem to hold up residence because everyone who believes on the name of Jesus Christ and has been saved Everyone who has allowed the Holy Spirit to live inside him has become the temple. And here's the kicker. Here's the great news. Is that God is holding residence in his temple and he's seated on the edge of his throne and he's leaning in. He's looking right at you. His eyes are on you. His ears are on you. And he's saying, here I am. Talk to me. Come to me. And he waits for his church to wake up. Can you imagine? God. The one who spoke, I mean, just chair. I wasn't able to do it. God, the one who spoke and created the universe. Everything. Seated, seated on a throne on the edge of the seat, leaning in, looking at you, saying, come to me. Let's talk. The temple is very much alive and well. But for me, as I ended my Bible study this week, and I'm looking at this, and I I get it. I'm not a great theologian. I, I know I'm not. Um, there are guys that I actually was on the... I was actually on a call this week with a great theologian. We are talking about these things, studying these things. This stuff just comes off the page at me. And toward the end of the sermon writing and the studying of this and saying, God, what are you, what are you doing? What do you want to talk about? The thing that just pierces my heart is this. And it does, I guess, come back to verse 14. It starts with the very first word. If. Hey, and all these things are going bad. However, if my people do these things, oh, there'll be 
great restoration. You know what if means? If means God is giving us a choice. A choice to connect and communicate and be with God or not. Three weeks, Pastor Chad will be back. And he'll be preaching in this pulpit. And I've been thinking a lot about that. I really enjoyed preaching. And I've been thinking about these messages that God has been giving me and the time that I've spent with you on Sunday morning. And I was kind of in a hurry not so much to finish up the last uh, series because I wanted to, to just speak from my heart on this. God is calling us to prayer. Why? Because prayer changes things. Because if God is not in it, it's nothing. Look, I don't have anything to say. I've said it before. I don't have anything to say to you that comes from me except for Jesus Christ, the blood that was shed, that atones for my sin and His life is now my life. This has been a tough week for many, and I know, and I've talked with some of you, and this idea of prayer is just a very hard thing. And I know if you're like me, if you're anything like me, which some of you that scares, but if you're anything like me, I know that some of these questions are like this, like what is, what, what even is prayer? And what does it mean to pray to an all-knowing God that spoke and created the universe? What does that even mean? And do I even need to pray? I had a, a really good conversation on Facebook with a, with a friend who, who connected with me. He, he saw I said something. Somebody's prayer was answered, and I commented, well, praise be to God. Because I think that when God answers prayer, we should probably give God praise for that. And he, he, he came... Um, to me on Facebook, and he wasn't venomous or mean or anything, but he just said, does it really matter? I mean, if you pray or I pray or we don't pray. Great questions to have. And some of us may be having those questions on prayer. Or how about this one? Do my prayers even get heard? Yes. The Scripture says they do. The Scripture says that God's Leaning in, and he's saying, I'm listening. I'm looking. I'm hearing. And sometimes we confuse, because God doesn't answer a prayer the way that we initially send it out, that that's not God listening, or there is no God. There is a God, and he is listening. Thanks be to God. Verse 15. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. Oh, God is listening. And I believe if we come together... If our church comes together and we start praying for this little, this little church in the middle of North Idaho, great things will happen because God will be in it. And if each one of us decides we're going to adopt our street, which I hope you've pulled out the paper and you ignored me for at least two minutes to fill that thing out, and you prayed for your neighbors, even the ones you can't stand, the ones that leave beer cans in your front yard and they play the music too loud and they shoot in your backyard, I don't know, those people, if we pray for them, maybe God is going to use you to touch them in Jesus' name. I believe in this. I really, really believe in this. God can do greater things than we could even fathom, than we can even imagine. 
What I'm going to ask is this. This is pretty bold. I'm going to challenge us. I'm going to challenge myself with this as well. I know many of you are already praying, and I'm not trying to assume that, that, that there isn't prayer, but what I'd like to see in this church and in the church of Jesus Christ in Sandpoint is that we could focus that prayer in together. That corporately, we could go before a holy and righteous God and we could pray for things. And not just generic prayers like, God, be with Cal. Look, God is already with Cal. God doesn't need me to remind him, be with Cal, he's with him. But Cal needs my prayers specifically for some things. God wants to hear the prayer specifically about, God, what do you want to do in this church for such a time as this? Look, I know God has used this church, he's used this Christian school and this community for years, but that we cannot ride on the coattails of what God has already done. We've got to seek his face for what he's going to do in the future. Amen? Amen? Because I believe that if we do that, if we focus in, God will come alive in this place unlike we've ever seen before. And so I want to challenge you this way. I'm going to ask um, Aaron and Laura if they would stand at the back. They, I, I, you know, I, I did this thing, and I'm not really that good at it. I'm not as good as, like, you know, Janine or some of you. But I put together a, a prayer calendar, one for each day starting today through the end of the month. Would you pray with me? Would you pray for each other? Would you pray for our families? Look, you know, I, when I got here, I, real, I, thought, I thought for some reason, I don't know why, I thought just everybody's life was just fantastic and, and, and smooth and sprinkled fairy dust and, and great. But here's the deal. I've been here long enough to know that people are hurting in this community. People are hurting. Marriages are, are, are hurting. Children are rotten. Um, neighbors are horrible. People are sick. Loved ones are passing away. Look, we need each other, and God has called the church to do just that, to lean on one another and to pray for one another. Would you do that with me? So I'm going to ask uh, Laura and Aaron to stand at the door with these. If you want to pray with me, if you want to pray with me, with your church staff, um, I'd ask you to please take one of these and pray, and then maybe send me a Facebook message or an email. We're also going to ha- hold these out, not to take your money, but so that those little pieces of paper that you filled out that Miss Janine can then get you hooked up for the Adopt-A-Street would go in here as well. Thank you, Laura. Laura's awesome. I don't know if you know Laura, but she's here just interning, hanging out with us, and I've already put her to work. What if? What if? You know, so many times I've not tried something because I thought I would fail. Isn't that sad? I thought, well, you know, I'm not even going to try that because it probably won't even work. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I want to see a move of the Spirit. Let's pray. Oh, God. I thank you for the heritage that we've inherited from those who've gone before us, Lord. And there have been godly men and women who, who have done the great work of Jesus Christ in this place, Lord. May we be found faithful doing the same. Let us not get complacent. Let us not get apathetic, Lord God. There are people dying and going to hell. And they need to hear the message of the cross. It's so messy. It's just, it's ridiculous. You've called us to it. I thank you for people like Carly Hurt, who doesn't have to go to Peru to wash 
stinky, lice-ridden children's heads. She doesn't have to do that. She wants to do that. There are people in our community who are, who are poor and hurting and broken, and they need to hear the message of the cross. There are people here that are so rich, it's ridiculous. And they think that because they have money and stuff, that they don't need Jesus, Lord. God, they need Him. Help us to get serious about prayer and seeking Your face, Lord God. I I long to see You do a work. And we all know every major revival that ever, ever happened in the United States in its history, started with young people. Until us old people got it, started to catch the wave, God, would you just set a fire in the heart of our young people? Set a, a fire in our hearts, Lord God. Help us to see people like Jesus sees people. Lord, I don't know if everyone here is a believer, and I want to give them an opportunity. And so if you want to ask Christ into your life to forgive you of your sins so you can know what real life is, pray this prayer with me. Father God, I love you. I give you praise. I recognize I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I believe Jesus is who he says he is. That he died on the cross, three days later rose again. Help me to live in the light of Christ and bless others in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, the scripture says your name was written in the Lamb's book of life and that God welcomes you, welcomes you into his kingdom. I love you. I really do. Let's go win people to Jesus. Please stand. May the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you as you go and speak words of truth. May your prayers be ever fervent, humble before the Lord God. He's leaning in on the edge of his seat waiting to hear from you. Go in the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus. Amen.